Welcome to The Third Rail Entrepreneur, a podcast about enrichment. Enrichment of your mind, your relationships, your body, and ultimately your business via the entrepreneurial path. My name is Alistair MacDonald. Let's get started. A lot has happened since you and I last got a chance to speak, and I admit to having temporarily fallen off the podcasting planet. Much has happened. A lot has transpired, not only professionally in the broader world, economic and market cycles, but also those of my private clients and myself. And it's allergy season. That's right, the junipers are out in full bloom in the mountains of northwestern Arizona, thus my dark and stormy resonance that I hope you'll tolerate for our conversation today. I've titled this episode, The Half Cycle Report. I want to talk about just some of the implications of the shifts in global markets and broader economies since the spread and panic that has ensued about the coronavirus. A lot of ink has been spilt. A lot of fear has been mongered. A lot of politicians have pandered. But what difference does this make to you as an entrepreneur? How relevant is this issue? How large and sweeping and how tactically and strategically should we adjust to these changes, if at all? Before I dive into this particular area, an area of my own expertise, I want to just point out as a reminder for you that the business cycle is just that, a cycle, and no amount of pandering by politicians or cheap money from central banks or cheerleading by CNBC or other business owners has ever successfully flattened the business cycle. We are halfway through a business cycle. We are now 10 years, actually a little over, 11 years almost, into the longest expansion in U.S. economic history. It doesn't really matter what follows and what I share with you about opinions. What matters is nothing else but reversion to the mean. The longest expansion in U.S. economic history can only be followed with a contraction of equal significance. That is what recessions are. So understanding the nature of a contraction, how they start, what the middle looks like, and how they end, is one of the most valuable superpowers you can acquire as an entrepreneur. If you are in business, you are inside of the business cycle. As I mentioned, this is an area of expertise of mine. While I don't have many, this is one that I do have a deep familiarity with. I also have a functional familiarity with the complete market cycle. Having myself endured the largest and greatest hyperinflation in history in Zimbabwe, and the largest and most brutal asset deflation in history, the financial crisis. The U.S. housing bubble and burst and the U.S. financial and global financial crisis were two of the most profitable times in my life. The truth is I didn't tell anybody about this for many years afterwards because it took so many family and friends and so forth by surprise despite my protestations, despite my warnings. Not everybody wants to hear that things could turn. 
then you may not want to hear that. In which case you'll be tempted to probably stop listening to this episode. That is a mistake. Not because I am holy grail of insight, but for us to look away is not a strategy. Hope is not a strategy. And ignorance is expensive in every single domain of our lives. Our ignorance about our diet costs us. Our ignorance about relationships and how to navigate them, professional and personally, is expensive and it costs us. And our ignorance about the business cycle will cost you too. My hope is that I can shed some light on how exactly these things unfold. While I won't necessarily expect the next recession to be my most profitable, or profitable at all, or that for you, my hope is that I can at least mitigate some of the risks that we tend to take on and mistakes that we make this late in the cycle. So, let's recap what's happened since we last got a chance to hang out around this electronic campfire. The COVID-19 virus, or coronavirus, first emerged, as you know by now, in China very quickly turned into a national panic, which became an international panic. Shipping lanes have essentially halted, manufacturing in China has imploded, and now we're faced with the most serious of issues in the United States. Costco is running out of toilet paper. Now, I don't mean to be cynical, but it's fascinating to watch the contagion of ideas that travel faster even than the, contagious, than the contagion of a virus. It is true that, and predictable, that this outbreak would arise in China, not only because of the density of population, but the fact that the Chinese economy and the Chinese markets have been in a bear market now for five years. The Shanghai Stock Exchange is still down 54% from its highs five years ago. Viruses, outbreaks, pandemics historically occur after expansions and deep into bear markets and recessions. It makes sense that China would be the epicenter. We can talk more about the nature of viruses and pandemics and epidemics and what it is that catalyzes them. But it goes without saying that in a contracted period of economic activity, when households are forced to live together and generations move in with each other, as we saw in the financial crisis, when businesses cut back and scrimp and save, it is safety, health, and shortcuts of those nature that tend to show up in disease. The same with the safety of air crashes and so forth. But those are conversations for another time. So what does this have to do with us? Over the course of the last couple of weeks, as this actual viral contagion became a social fear-based contagion, we have seen U.S. equity markets go through the fastest point decline in history eclipsing even those implosions of 15% during the thrusting peak of fear in the financial crisis in October of 2008. In fact, equities have fallen over 16% in just seven trading days. For those of you that have experience watching the stock market, it has been something to behold. As investors have run out of stocks and into the security of bonds, they have driven bond interest rates to record lows. By now, you know this. Interest rates on the 10-year U.S. note are currently below 0.9%, completely unseen in U.S. history. Now, the average bobblehead on CNBC is going to say that the market's decline is caused 
by the coronavirus. That's the reason. And because financial advisors do not have solutions for bear markets, nobody has a vested interest in truly solving this problem for you as an investor and a business owner. There is no solution on Wall Street for a recession. None. And so this is why the billions of dollars in marketing messages to you as an entrepreneur are to just hang in there and grind it out and keep hustling, just like they were told when the housing crisis was in full swing and the financial crisis and the tech bubble and the savings and loan disaster and the OPEC contraction and the double-dip contraction of 72 and 74 and on and on. This type of self-absorbed and self-serving Advice is so dangerous. The only thing that is more dangerous is how prevalent it is. Back at the then all-time peak of economic and stock market price and economic activity, in the fall of 1929, the famed economist Irving Fisher said, stocks have reached a point of permanently high plateaus. He couldn't have been more wrong. What followed was the greatest depression since that of 1870 and the worst stock market sell-off in history. Unemployment skyrocketed to 25%. That's what a market peak looks like, when even bad news is taken as a reason to keep buying the dip. I don't believe that this is the time to buy the dip. I think as an entrepreneur, it's time for you to start circling the wagons. We see the same social conviction at extreme opposites. In 1979, after a double-dip recession in 72 and 74, the worst bear market then since the Great Depression, the U.S. stock market and global economy was coming to a virtual standstill. Everywhere you looked, things were dark. Clothing, long skirts, dark colors, miserable architectural design, a massive escalation in conflicts of the United States and Vietnam, record-high interest rates, and record-high oil prices. In October of 1979, this negativity was captured beautifully on the cover of Business Week magazine, which said, The Death of Equities. Within the space of eight months, the United States was about to begin the greatest bull market in its history. A saturation of opinion is the end of a trend and the start of a new one keep a lookout for it. We'll keep talking. But for now, let's go back. So while everybody is saying that it's the coronavirus that caused this decline, we have to ask ourselves, is it really true? And the truth is, the US equity market and economy has been so bloated on debt in the longest and weakest economic expansion in history. And by weakest, I'm talking about GDP figures, which no opinion required. You're welcome to look those up. The longest and weakest expansion U.S. equity markets were priced to perfection. On only two times have valuations never been this high in history. The closest we can come is the peak of the dot-com mania in 2000 and one other occasion that equity markets were even anywhere near as expensive as they were in January of 2020 was in the fall of 1929. This type of data needs to be respected. What followed the 2000 peak in valuations were three crises, the technology bubble bursting, the housing crisis and collapse, and the financial crisis. What followed the previous peak in 1929 was a Great Depression. 
I'll leave that there. I'm not forecasting that here, but I am making the case that as business owners, this is not the time to start ramping up our risk. It's just not. This is what we are compelled to do this late in the business cycle. We take the last 10 years and look at our friends who've been killing it in stock market and housing market and business, and we extrapolate that out into the future, convinced that it will continue as it always has. This is what we do. We seem to be wired to just extrapolate trends that have already occurred. Back in the exact opposite trend, termination, in March of 2009, everybody was so panicked that they thought money markets would go bust. You may remember that the FDIC head actually went out on a roadshow telling investors not to worry, we're doubling your FDIC guaranteed bank deposits from increasing the guarantee from 100000 to 200000 Really? The truth is the FDIC is required by law to keep public disclosures on its actual asset base. At the time, the FDIC had 0.93 of a cent in reserves for every $1 they guaranteed. What were they doing? They were trying to inspire confidence because confidence is what keeps the world of business turning over. So how did this decline happen if it wasn't the coronavirus? The U.S. markets have essentially been an overinflated balloon looking for a pin for over a year. Coronavirus is the perfect pin. How is it that that happens? In physics, there is a phenomenon first identified by a gentleman named Hyman Minsky. Hyman Minsky would study the disproportionate and erratic behavior of seemingly random events that occur in fractal patterns. So, by way of example... Everybody has built a sand castle or a pile of sand at the beach as a kid or with your kids or in the backyard piling up sand. When you pile sand, you'll notice that it builds up and builds up and a small portion sloughs off and it builds up and a separate section sloughs off. And as we keep going, the pile gets larger and larger with a couple of micro sloughings of the sand pile and then something happens a certain grain of sand lands on another grain of sand, and a cascading decline follows. In honor of Hyman Minsky, who put together the mathematical formula to explain this, we now call this a Minsky moment. That moment when that particular grain of sand, which otherwise, in any other circumstance and at any other time, would have been completely inconsequential, starts a cascading decline that takes down a third to a half of the sand pile. The coronavirus is the Minsky moment for global equity prices, and by extension, your and my businesses too. What to do? How does this happen? That all comes back to the nature of the business cycle itself. How to prepare, what to expect, and what comes next. That's it for this episode. Thanks for being here. Hey, there's only two things that you have in your life, your time and your attention, that you've given both to me for these few minutes of today. It means everything. Cheers. <laughs>